Welcome back to Top 25 Voter Pod with our Top 25 Voters, John Warner, Chad Conine. Welcome back, guys. Howdy. Right. Yeah, someday maybe we'll do this in person, but we'll all have to get a shot first. Well, <laughs> as we mentioned uh, pre-Zoom here, we all cleaned up for this. That's true. We are clean-shaven. Yes. Well, and I would like to point out that that we're not we're not exactly Corona Bros among the sports staff. It's just that we don't have a space that we can consistently occupy together. Well, There's no reason for us to all drive up to the sports office because it works better on Zoom. Yeah. And there are going to be a lot of things post, you know, or post or as things go back to some semblance of normal that that are like uh, best practices that we learned. And I think Zoom. Zooming is going to continue to be a major player in life. Uh, well, I, I, I agree. And I also fear that to a certain extent because I, I fear that, you know, it's going to lead to more remote coverage and that kind of thing. But that's a whole nother discussion. Let's yeah, talk some college basketball. So um, Baylor went on the road Tuesday night, beat the Longhorns, 83-69, to 69, a very impressive win. It was close for a while. And the Bears are now number one in the NET net ratings, rankings, right? Uh, kind of a computer yeah. rankings. Uh, also the, like the RPI, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the Ken Palm rankings too, which is a poll that a lot of – or rankings that a lot of people look at. So with that win – um, you know, and then assuming the Bears go and win this weekend, um, which we don't ever assume anything, but they're certainly, you know, they should win. Um, you know, how much ground do you think that Baylor makes up in the poll this week, considering it was 61 to three Gonzaga in first place votes last last time out? Well, I would think they'd get a few more first place votes. Of course, I said that last week, too, and it didn't happen. But, uh, gosh, I mean, you just can't overlook the strength of their schedule right now. And Gonzaga got all their good wins early. They're playing in the West Coast Conference. They're 8-0. They're averaging winning by 25 points. But they're not playing anybody close to being in the top 25. And Baylor's playing a lot of top 25 teams. And they've looked impressive doing it. So I – I'm going to vote them number one again, and uh, we'll, we'll see if anybody else does. Chad? Well, I don't – I mean, you know, when you look at the fact that Gonzaga has 61 first-place votes and it's week 11 in the poll, so the people that have been voting them, number one, have been voting them for probably 8, 10, maybe even 11 a weeks all season, and they're not going to change their mind unless Baylor beats Gonzaga. So. <laughs> No, that's a, I think that's a fair point because I think a lot of times, um, you know, when I was when I was voting in the poll in the women's poll, if a team kept winning, um, I would keep them where they were at, you know, or or sometimes ascend them, but um, you know, you don't necessarily drop ones that haven't lost, and and Gonzaga is obviously in that boat now. Um, I do think Baylor's case becomes stronger by the day. I also think that the national attention that Baylor's starting to get, I think it's starting to pick up more and more. Um, and, um, so, 
it's kind of off the rails a little bit, but I saw a tweet the other day um, and I think it was, I'm just, I'm not going to call out the person's name, but it was a former Baylor football player. And, um, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, he was watching sports center the day after the Texas win and, and they showed one highlight and it was the, the Greg Jones dunk and, you know, and how could you, you know, disrespect the bears like that and yada, yada, yada. And I was thinking, my gosh, you know, first of all, uh, this is the epitome of the, the butt hurt Baylor fan. Can we say that here on the podcast? I don't know. Uh, is anybody even listening? <laughs> I got to ask when and find out who, uh, how many viewers we've got. But um, anyway, so, I was thinking to myself, if you had watched SportsCenter the night before, which I did, they had Seth Greenberg on there, and they talked about Baylor for uh, a long time and had highlights of the game and praised Baylor up and down to the point where Seth Greenberg said, if Baylor and Gonzaga played today, he's taken the Bears. He thinks it would be a great game, and he wants to see that game, but uh, I don't think Baylor's getting disrespected. Okay. I mean, even, even 61 to three, I mean, Gonzaga is pretty friggin' good. Okay. So uh, I think that let's let it play out and what a game it'll be if they finally get to play. Well, on this point, I saw a, a certain media member who we know a national media member who's been around these parts a few times. I won't, I won't bring up their name just because, um, uh, for various reasons, but um, this person tweeted that Baylor Gonzaga is the national championship game uh, that, that, that sports fans deserve. And um, I just wanted to reply to this person. I, I, I refrained from replying to, but I just wanted to say, Hey friend, you know, this isn't college football. We don't just vote on who we want to see that we have this thing called the NCAA tournament. And if those two teams are the last one standing, then great. It'll be a great game. If they're not, then that's not what was meant to be, and that's not the best game. So I understand that know, sentiment. Hype, ESPN yeah. is just a hype machine anymore. <laughs> it's not what it was back in the '90s when you watched a 30-minute Sports Center and all you saw was highlights of games. Well, I think that the deserve sentiment is the fact that both those teams were pretty freaking good last year, and we didn't get you know they didn't get to finish their seasons along with everyone else. But uh, they both had legit national championship hopes last year. And so this idea is, and, and, you know, and then they didn't get to play in the regular season. So I, I understand maybe deserve is not the right word, but it's the one I think uh, college basketball fans want to see. I think, you know, generally speaking. I don't want to see it. Yeah, but you're a tech fan. You don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying you take Joe Blow – a fan who just follows college basketball and not maybe a specific team that hates Baylor. Uh, and hey, if a fan, if there's a fan that doesn't have a dog in the race, I don't care what he thinks. <laughs> Chime in, Johnny, save us. Well, uh, kind of more to your original point that a lot of voters probably won't vote Baylor number one until Gonzaga loses. Uh, CBS's national writer, Gary Parrish, said the same thing. Uh, he, he's done it for 15 years this way. Unless that number one team loses, he, he's not going to 
replace it with somebody else. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can respect that, but at the same time, you've got to look at who Baylor is playing right now and who uh, Gonzaga is playing and Baylor's, you know, their case just keeps getting stronger. And to me, Gonzaga is, it's either just stays the same or it drops. So, yeah. uh, you, you know, I, I, I would think more voters would give, give Baylor consideration this week, but I, I don't think there's any way they pass them uh, unless Gonzaga loses. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, another team in the big 12 Oklahoma, uh, which made, I think I read where it was the biggest <laughs> jump by a ranked team from week to week. Uh, like, so they were 24, uh, in last week's poll, and they jumped to number nine in this week's poll. And that came off the heels of top 10 wins over uh, then number nine, Kansas, number five, Texas, and number nine, Alabama. So some impressive wins by the Sooners. Now, uh, if we go back, I think the Longhorns were a little depleted. Um, but yeah. So the question is this was such a big jump warranted? Because then their first game after being ranked in the top 10, um, they go out to Lubbock and, and you know, it's a close game, 57-52, but Tech wins that one. So, um, and that's a number 13 ranked Texas Tech team. So obviously no slouch. Um, Sooners are now 11 and five overall, six and four in the Big 12. Should they have gone into the top 10? Well, I, uh, I voted them 14. Uh, for this last Monday's poll. And I thought, man, I jumped them 10 spots. That, that's really a lot. You hardly ever see that at midseason. And then when the poll came out, my gosh, they dropped, they jumped 15 spots. Uh, yeah, that's, that is very remarkable. The only time you really see something even close to that usually is early in the season where there might be somebody who's unranked or, you know, 24, 25, beats a couple really good teams, but you know, the polls are more volatile early than they are later in the season because more teams have established themselves. But uh, yeah, I was stunned. Uh, I, I thought it was too much. And uh, yeah, but th then they lose to Texas tech. So they're probably going to drop a little, it might be 14 this week. Chad. Well, I think it was absolutely ridiculous. And I saw somebody predict that they would jump into the top 10 and it's, it's just absurd because I mean, they beat some good teams, but Kansas is slipping. Kansas probably shouldn't even be ranked at this point. Uh, Texas was, you know, down, depleted. And that Big 12 SEC challenge, I'd like to see the numbers, but I would say the big the home team in the Big 12 uh, SEC challenge has won somewhere around 80% of the time since that thing has been going on, you know. And so, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know who's vaulting them so because – you know, there had to be people that, that had them not ranked that had them as high as like five or six for them because most people you would think would, you know, say, okay, they deserve to move up some, but 15 spots, that's, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy. And and honestly, you know, I thought Texas Tech controlled the game against them the other night. And also, they, all, they don't vote on things like these, uh, but the fact that Austin Reeves was out meant that they weren't going to be playing like a top 10 team for very long. Or, or maybe they, I mean, they've got, They've got some good young players that, that are coming on strong. Uh, Moja Gibson from university being one of them. Um, but yeah, it's ridiculous for that. They jump that much. 
Agreed. I think y'all, y'all make some some good points. Uh, I understand voters, you know, if they're just looking at, okay, they beat three top 10 teams, but Chad just uh, amplified why, you know, why in some of the cases, I mean, Texas was uh, down some guys, Kansas really, you know, shouldn't be, shouldn't have been a top 10 team. And the Alabama win is a good win. I mean, you know, let's, let's give the Sooners some credit, but, um, and, and obviously they're a solid team, but I watched, uh, you know, p- parts of that Tech Oklahoma game the other night. I was flipping back and forth between them and the Rockets, but, um, but watched a lot of it after the the Rockets game ended. And um, I, I agree with Chad that Tech had that game in in hand throughout, even when it was close. It didn't really ever feel like Oklahoma was, you know, going to to take over the lead, and. You know, just watching OU, I didn't see a top 10 team there. You know, I, I mean, I saw a good team, but I didn't see a top 10 team where I, I where you just went, wow, they're really, you know, they're really tough. Well, well, I tell you, I watched a lot of Oklahoma State TCU last night, and, and here's the difference between Oklahoma, which is a team that deserves to be ranked, and those two teams, the Horned Frogs and the Cowboys that played last night. Uh, Oklahoma plays smart basketball. They take care of the ball on the offensive end for the most part. And um, they're playing really hard on defense. And so they're, they're a team that has it together. And I think in college basketball, you know, having it together, knowing what you're about, knowing your identity and playing to that is a big part of it. And I think Oklahoma does that better than like the two teams I watched last night. And that, that's probably why they're a top half of the Big 12 team. Well, here, here's another theory. Uh, you know, Brady Manick looks a little bit like Larry Bird. Maybe some of the voters thought Bird was playing. <laughs> there probably are a few old codgers on that on those voters that probably were covering teams when bird was playing so, right. uh, we're not going to throw you into that mix john um i wouldn't argue <laughs> so let's move on to the women um the uh north carolina state wolf pack who chad has mentioned before that He's had a, a, as high as number one. Do you have you still been voting on number one? Well, I voted on number one from the time they beat South Carolina in I think in December uh, until last week when I obviously had to move them down because they lost the game. Well, you're looking pretty smart right now because uh, the Wolfpack went out, knocked off uh, number one ranked Louisville the other uh, night. So should NC State, uh, in the mind of the rest of the voters, obviously Chad's already got them there. Um, Jump pass. Well, I don't. I I moved them down after they lost to uh, uh, Virginia Tech, and and here's the thing: um, their center Kanane was out in that game, and and that had an impact on that game, I'm sure. Uh, but it's it's hard to vote on who's out for COVID and who's not out for COVID. You know, yeah. as I mentioned, Austin Reeves a minute ago. Um, but uh, I had a little bit of a Dennis Green moment on on uh, on Monday night, you know, NC state was who I thought they were. (laughs) Well played. So South Carolina is two and UConn is three. Do it. Does NC state jump those teams? No, I think South Carolina is the deserved number one team in the country. They're number one when things came to a halt last year and, and their only loss is to, uh, is to NC state. Um, I I think those two teams in Louisville, uh, are kind of kind of right at the top of, of women's basketball this season, and it's interesting because two of those three 
South Carolina and NC State were at the um, Greensboro Regional in 2019 when the Lady Bears were there and, and actually played both of them. And, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting for me uh, to watch. I, I think her name is Ashley Kinane, um, the center for NC State. And she was kind of a raw-looking player uh, a couple of years ago when they played Baylor. And since then – wait a minute, they didn't play Baylor. They didn't play Baylor, but they played uh, one of the Iowa or South Carolina in the first game. But I saw him play, and she looked kind of raw uh, in that game. But now that she's a junior, man, she does everything on the floor, and she does it well. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if she might be the best player in women's college basketball, a little bit under the radar right now. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I was it was interesting to watch that game and see the way NC State really took over in the fourth quarter. Now, Kim has been saying that there's no dominant team in women's basketball, and I think she's right because I, I watched that game, and I go, okay, where, how does Baylor stack up? And, I mean, you guys have probably done this a lot. Watch a game and try to figure out where a team that you're covering or interested in, how they fit in against that team. But I think Baylor for sure could, could hang with and, and in some ways uh, dominate parts of the game against either one of those teams that I watched the other night. Louisville. You know, for the number one team, Louisville didn't have a whole lot of um, places where they just took a firm handle on the game and said, we're going to control this part. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, the parody thing, um, and it's funny. Um, one of the, the complaints you sometimes hear about um, women's college basketball is just the fact that it's it tends to be top heavy, you know. UConn is UConn mm-hmm. every year. Well, now UConn looks a little vulnerable. I mean, they're still ranked third in the country, but um, and so you know, I guess my question there is: Does that mean it's it's more interesting now? I mean, because if there isn't a, that one dominant team, you know, does it open it up for anybody to win? Uh, I think so. I think, um, any sport, uh, and by, by the way, it's Elisa Kinane. I just looked it up while, uh, while you were um, asking that question, but I want to make sure I got that right. Elisa Kinane for NC state. Uh, but you know, when you have an Oregon like last year or Baylor, um, you know, uh, in 2019 and really in 2019, Baylor wasn't the, the, uh, perennial power or the, the favorite that everybody was looking at. It was more like Oregon, Utah, UConn, uh, and, and Baylor beat both of those teams. And I think in that sense, you know, in the UConn sense and the Oregon of last year's sense, I think that the Lady Bears kind of get overlooked sometimes uh, in, in being that presence. But I think any sport benefits. I mean, when Duke is undefeated, when uh, – I don't know if Gonzaga – I mean, Gonzaga-Baylor are that, those teams in women's ba- – I mean, in men's basketball this year. So I think any sport benefits from that kind of – uh, team that's like how is how in the world is anybody going to beat them? That's you know? that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, Duke was that team a couple years ago with Zion Williamson. It was like, oh my gosh, these guys are uh, these guys look unbeatable. Um, and then, yeah, except for Coach K, forgot how to coach defense. Well, and then they were beatable. And you yeah. know, I mean, Zion blew a shoe, and you know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so. Obviously, you know, you guys hit on it a little bit, but this is uh, a strange season, you know. I mean, it's not not a normal season. Uh, in a normal season, 20 wins usually is kind of the benchmark for making 
you know, the NCAA tournament. If you have 20, you should get in. It seems like the bubble teams always have around 18, 19, you know, um, which is why they're on the bubble. So this year with a reduced schedule, what's the number that should, you know, be the rubber stamp? I'm going to say 16, 17, maybe even as low as 15 in some cases. Uh, Yeah, 20 is a a pretty high number this year. Um, My my hope, though, is that, you know, just because of everything that's happened with COVID, they won't put in uh, one of the blue bloods who who have had a really bad year, somebody like Duke or Kentucky or Michigan State, who, who don't deserve to go. But I, I just hope they don't give them more consideration just because of the circumstances. Chad? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think, like, uh, you know, Kim Mulkey has said multiple times, you know, that they lost five games and, and you know, their preseason WNIT games. Um, so, uh, and I think across the board, teams lost four or five games. And for a team that's, vying for an NCAA tournament bid and trying to get to 20 wins, usually those are, you know, at least two or three real winnable games. Um, You know, you might have a good non-conference matchup in there that could go either way. But so, you know, if you're, you know, if if you've got 16 wins, it's, it's going to be real tough for somebody that has 16 wins and didn't go to the tournament this year, you know? Um, So uh, yeah, I think that's probably, I think, I think 17 is the safe spot. Mm. Mm. What do you think, though, Bryce? I mean, you're you don't have like as much of a dog in the fight, right? Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, so I do think that um, the committee, the, the selection committee, does a pretty good job of selecting worthy teams. Now, do teams ever get in based on? you know, who they are or historically are, you know, because they're one of the college basketball blue bloods. Sure. That happens. But I think, and I think maybe more so this year than in past years, you're going to really have to break down and dig into these teams resumes Mm -hmm. because, you know, they might've played a different number of games and, and, you know, they had games canceled that they, you know, would have helped their, their, their net ranking or, you know, the former RPI or whatever. Um, so that, that committee has a, a challenging task, but I think they really have to dig into, you know, the value of each team beyond, a number like 17 wins. Okay. You know, who are those wins against? Um, you know, did they have some games canceled that, you know, uh, would have helped them? I mean, you know, I think you have to take into all that stuff into account. Yeah. What if, yeah. Like, you know, we mentioned the Texas OU game, uh, Texas was down to eight scholarship players. And by the end of the game, they were down to five after guys fouled out and Shaka smart wasn't there. Are you going to take games in consideration like that? That's one they probably would have won with those guys. Uh, do you? Is that a consideration? Games like that where you're missing guys because of COVID. Chad, what were you going to say? Well, I I, I forgot, but um, I'll, I'll address <laughs> <laughs> I'll address John's point. Is I I don't think that you can 
put it under that much of a microscope because you either win or you lose a game. You can't say, well, I honestly feel like if they'd had Jericho Sims against Oklahoma, they would have won that game and Courtney Rainey. But you can't say, well, we're going to we're going to boost them up and give them an extra win because because they lost that game when they had guys out with COVID, you know. Um, luckily for Texas, I think they're going to get to that win total. And I think they've also got that bleep, blue blood name. So, you know, those are, those are both things in their favor now. Uh, you know, but consider somebody like TCU and, and think about, you know, how much are you going to value power five conferences in, in a conference like the big 12 that has, you know, anywhere from, or well, has had about five ranked teams in the conference all year. And now, you know, TCU with the win over Oklahoma State last last night is sitting there with 10 wins with with a month left in the season. Uh, and if Oklahoma State doesn't get some sort of waiver on their their postseason ban for this year and, uh, you know, is TCU the, this the seventh team in from the Big 12 because of that? Good question. Um, I, I think you both make fair points. I, I do think it it helps to look at, you know, who's in, who's out in terms of, uh, you know, injuries, COVID, that kind of thing, and and take those things into account. That said, Chad, I, I think you make a fair point about, um, you know, a win's a win. And, like, I go back to, you know, taking it to college football. Uh, there was a lot of sort of anti-Notre Dame sentiment at the end of the year that they got into the the final four. And one of the things was, oh, well, they beat Clemson, but it was Trevor Lawrence was out. Well, that's not on Notre Dame. You know, it's not their fault that Trevor Lawrence was out. Um, and the fact was they were an undefeated regular season team that lost one game to Clemson in the, in the ACC title game. To me, they belonged in, I mean, uh, I, by resume now so if you're looking at these teams resumes uh i think you also have to look at like watch the games and watch these teams and see duke isn't very good they don't belong in the tournament you know um, now maybe maybe they catch fire this last month but you know what i'm saying watch the teams see who's good put those 68 teams in well you know the, all the things we're mentioning and the amount of scrutiny that we're suggesting, it kind of makes you just want to, you know, just chunk it all and go the other way and go, okay, we're going to go BPI. Pretty much we're going to go straight BPI, you know, which is the old RPI or whatever it is. And I'm sitting there thinking blood pressure index. Or well, no, but the net rankings and the BPI, I mean, I feel like they're a fair measure of strength of schedule versus, you know, what, how you performed on the court. Because you can't put everybody under the microscope and say, how has COVID affected them? And what do they look like on the court? And, and who have they played and who have they not played? But to some extent, you know, the, the computer rankings kind of take those things into account. So I think it might be a year where they lean more heavily on those type of rankings than than even before and they were used heavily before i think this little debate that we're having probably sounds similar to what these people are going to be having behind closed doors once uh you know once the conference tournaments wrap up and they have to pick this thing i mean i think we're we're giving a little sneak peek into these kind of behind the scenes discussions that they're going to be having and and certainly once that 
field is selected, then it'll get picked apart by everyone. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's not an easy task that that those guys have. So, well, I mean, this is not really, this is on a different subject, but they're going to be announcing this. They're going to announce the field and everybody's going to go, okay, well, what now we playing it like, you know, Indiana Lamar high school or something, or where, where the heck are we even going to play these games? You know? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that was a real subtle joke, by the way, Lamar was the father of education in Texas. And so to say Indiana Lamar, cause there's a lot of Lamar high schools in Texas, right? So gotcha. Indiana Lamar is anyway. Well, I would push for Hinkle Fieldhouse. Is that, uh, that's where the Hoosiers game was played. Yeah. Yeah, baby. That would be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hickory, hickory, hickory. <laughs> All right, we're going to end it there. Uh, so I should end it about three minutes ago before I started <laughs> explaining my subtle joke. But... <laughs> Thanks, guys. See ya.